Welcome to Where There is Hope. Here we offer inspiration and encouragement from the Bible. With Travis Renfro, I'm John Lindsay. We're glad you're here. One of the more stinging rebukes that Jesus offers in the, in the Bible is for those people who he calls hypocrites. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about the punishment for hypocrites, and he says things like, they've already received their reward, intimating that they're going to receive nothing else from God. In Matthew 23, in the seven woes to the scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus says that hypocrites will not enter the kingdom of heaven. He even called one of them a child of hell. John, who were the ones being hypocritical? It was these Pharisees, the people who were really just showing their righteousness so that people would think highly of them. Yeah, it seems like it was the people who wanted to look religious, but not necessarily be religious. And sometimes I worry if I'm a hypocrite. And I think a lot of people feel that way. A lot of people worry if they're if they are being a hypocrite. When you when you talk to people who are non-believers, people who aren't churchgoers specifically, one of the things they'll say is they don't want to go to church because the church is full of hypocrites. And sometimes I think, well, may, they may be talking about me. I'm the kind of Christian who who makes mistakes, who fails often. Uh, my faith doesn't always feel as strong as I want it to. My prayer life is not consistent. Or if it is consistent, it's consistently bad. So sometimes I feel like those people we're talking about hypocrites are talking about me. Or when Jesus is talking about hypocrites, he's talking about me. Can you relate to that? Oh, yeah. I think a lot of the things you just said, I was like, you're talking about me. Um, there are, I can think of moments in my life where I just felt like I wasn't, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. And um, we'll get into that a little bit later. But, um, I, I mean, same things you've said. I, I struggle with my prayer life. Sometimes my faith isn't what it should be, and I can see it. And um, I fail almost every day at, at doing what I plan to do, and I'm very critical of myself sometimes, and it makes it very hard to, to be positive about things and to think that you're not this hypocrite. And I, I feel like when you're when your husband and father, like we both are, Sometimes those fears get amplified because not only are we worried about what we what we look like or to to our Lord, to the greater public, to a non-believer, but now we have to worry about what we look like to our wives, what we look like to our children, uh, and maybe especially to our children. Does that make it more intense that that sort of self uh, evaluation and that self degradation that you feel? Oh yeah, I mean you think like. Do I want my children to to mirror my attitude? And you know that they're watching it every moment. And it it really hits when they the first time they do something that you did that you shouldn't have done. And they just mimic you. And every time that happens and just, yeah, I, I don't want my children to be like that. And, um, yeah. To use a very 2022 phrase, it's cringeworthy when yeah. you see your children behave like that and you know that you were the example that they followed. Yeah. 
But here's the $64,000 question we're going to try to answer today. Are we really hypocrites? Are we really imposters? What do you think, John? Well, I sure feel like it. But I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Well, we'll look at a few of the examples in John chapter 6, um, that, that, or Matthew chapter 6, I apologize, um, that we're, we've already referred to. In Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 1 and verse 2. There Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Jump down to verse 5, same chapter. And when you pray, you must be not you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And then one more in verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So what is the difference between you and I, um, you know, and other people who I believe, and a great number of people I believe feel this way, who are Christians who are trying their best but falling short, What's the difference between us and these hypocrites that Jesus describes in Matthew chapter 6? Well, I know for me, I try. <laughs> I try not to do things, and I still fail. And it seems like the picture you get here is a wolf in sheep's clothing. These guys who are, uh, they have no intention of doing these things for good. It's all about being seen and getting glory from others and everyone thinking that they're these devout people. But in the end, it's all, you know, especially that last one you read, they intentionally look gloomy and disfigure their faces so that people will know they're fasting and being devout, you know. And um, I don't do that when I, you know, I'm almost, yeah. I can say almost the opposite. But I, I might fail and I try to look better than I am to not not to appear better than I am but just because I'm ashamed of my shortcomings yeah and I think you hit on something right there when you talked about the the wolf in sheep's clothing um, the wolf in sheep's clothing is an actor and and many people may know this but that's what a hypocrite really was was an actor someone just playing a part uh, and as you said, there's never an intention, any intention for that wolf to become a sheep. That He just wants to look like it for a small period of time. There's never any intention for an actor to become that part. Uh, it's always intended to be fake. And that's not me in my Christian walk. And that's not you, John, as I know you. And I, I don't think that's most people who are listening to us. I think all of us who are trying and struggling and maybe even coming up short need to disassociate ourselves from the idea that we are being hypocritical. Um, if the world wants to look at us and judge us as hypocrites, we can't change that. We can't make them see it the way that they ought to see it. But we don't need to look at ourselves that way and, and drag ourselves down. All right, so if we're not being hypocrites, sometimes maybe Christians still feel like an imposter. So if they feel that way, if they've, they've got this sort of imposter syndrome, 
uh, of Christianity. Why do you think they feel that way? Well, like I just talked about, one of the things that I have struggles with is if I if I fail, I'm ashamed, and I try to look better than I am. And I think we place such great emphasis on, um, I can say, putting your best foot forward when we come together. And so everyone's dressed in their nicest clothes. They look nice. No problems in their life. It's kind of almost that social media social media concept where you're seeing a highlight reel and everybody's just as happy as can be and you might hear some strat- some some struggles people are going through but typically you don't see people's failures in that kind of a group setting because it's it's encouraging and um, it's not when we're most tempted so for me I know that that is one thing that um, can lead to this attitude in my mind um, that I just, if, if I don't feel as good as, um, you, you know, maybe somebody is talking about how they've done well with something and I don't feel like I have done as well with that and I'm ashamed because I've had more, maybe um, more opportunities in my life to conquer it or, or whatever it may be. What about you? Well, I think you, you've hit on something very important, you know, this kind of the Instagram Christian, you know, who comes on Sundays to the assembly and we put our best foot forward. Um, I remember when I was a teenager uh, and, and going to church with uh, with my girlfriend's family and, and my girlfriend and I had been in a fight, you know, your typical high school silliness, I'm sure. And her mother had said, you know, make sure that you when you walk into the church building, you get your faces cleaned up, you you, you smile don't let anyone know, you know, that, you're, that you've been in an argument. Uh, and I, I saw, you know, the wisdom in that you don't want to be distracting to people. You don't want to make it about yourself. But at the same time, you know, maybe the first century church had a bit of an advantage on us because they were around each other so much, they probably weren't able to hide as much from each other as we do. Um, you know, and that, that has kind of a dual corrosive effect you know, when we when we pretend to be something that we're not on Sundays, especially, is one we don't get the help that we need. You know, Christians deny themselves by not being honest and candid and open and vulnerable. We we take it all upon ourselves, and we don't let our family help, uh, which is sad for us. And then the other effect is how that affects others, and that's what we're talking about today: is that we end up comparing ourselves to this ideal image that we see from other people, and we see we don't measure up. We know in our hearts that we're not as good as that person looks, and so that becomes a problem for us. Do you think it's also about, I think humans in general, just talk, we tend to skew negative. Do you think it's also just about our self-doubt, our internal struggles? I know for me, yeah. I've had a lot, 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 lot of that in my, in my life. Um, I remember times in my past where I would, if I can say dread, you know, I still looked forward to going to be with Christians, but I didn't dread the, I dreaded the interaction because I felt as if I was living a lie. Um, because I, I really doubted whether I, I myself was committed. I knew I was committed most of the day, but when I, I failed. I wasn't sure if I was truly committed. And the message that kept playing in my head is, you'll never be worthy. You always fail. 
are you even a Christian? Are you, are you even trying? And I think mm. that kind of thinking is poisonous and it can lead to this thought that you, you are a hypocrite, that you're just doing this for show. And that's, um, as we're talking about, that's just not in alignment with what we're talking, you know, with this self-doubt. Yeah, and I can so relate to that. Um, I've definitely had those feelings. And you, and you know, you know, going through that process, uh, I can almost be inside your mind when you describe that. Is you, you go to assembly, you're, you're with the congregation, and, and you start thinking about yourself, and then you realize that you're thinking about yourself. Like, I'm not supposed to be thinking about myself. I'm supposed to be worshiping God. And you're like, oh, my goodness, I, I'm just way off, you know. And, and then there's this shame spiral that sort of takes over your mind. Um, so I think those are relatable things. I think a lot of people feel that way. One of the things that was very helpful that I heard recently um, from one of our evangelists at our congregation, uh, it was a quote from the book Spiritual Depression, um, which was written by Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was, a, I believe, a member of the uh, Westminster Church in England. And so listen to this quote, and, and I think you'll gain a lot out of it. I know I certainly have. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but there they are talking to you. They bring, you, bring back the problem of yesterday. Somebody's talking. Who's talking? Yourself is talking to you. Now this man's treatment in Psalm 42 was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul, he asked. His soul had been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, Self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. John, this concept of instead of listening to yourself, you talk to yourself is, I think, a really revelatory thing. Uh, and, and the fact that, that Mr. Lloyd-Jones pulled this out of Psalm 42 to me is so very encouraging. Uh, don't you, do you also agree that um, when, when you start having these self-doubts and these feelings like an imposter, that so much of it is you're listening to yourself instead of taking control of the moment? Yeah, I do. I, I'm, I think this is, I can't really say it much better than you've said it, but it's so cool to see him pull this from Psalm 42. And he says that the he, he says that self is talking to that your your thoughts come to you in the morning. And what that really makes me think of is that this is if I can say this is Satan instigating this kind of thing and pushing you to discourage your own self and not even see him in the moment. And um but I think it's it's so cool to basically hear he's saying, take action in your own life and start addressing the things yourself. Don't just wait for something to come and change. You have to um, learn to conquer these things and tell yourself no when, when the time comes. Yeah, instead of you know, thinking of this as, as feeling like an imposter, I think maybe the problem is that we're feeling like, a, feeling like a victim. Like we're letting ourselves be victimized by our own self-doubt and that that voice, I don't disagree with you. I think it's a very, uh, could very well be a tool of Satan himself to just discourage us and take our mind off of where it needs to be. And that's not who I want to be. That's not who Christians, I think, want to be. Um, I had another quote uh, from an article I read just this week about this topic. 
And this is from a man named Sam Alberry, uh, and we'll link these um, within the comments of the of the podcast. But his quote is, "We aren't yet rid of our sinful nature, but that's not all there is to say on this point. Yes, the sinful nature is still kicking around, but it's not who we truly are." It reminded me of in First Corinthians chapter six, verses nine through eleven, when the Apostle Paul lists all these different. Uh, sinful characteristics of who the Corinthian Christians used to be. Um, and I'll just go to uh, verse 10. This is, uh, it's in the middle of the sentence, but nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so many times when I'm thinking about feeling like this Christian imposter, I forget that I didn't do this work. I didn't free myself from sin. I didn't defeat death. That, as Paul said, I was justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. God did that work. You know, Jesus did that heavy lifting. And so for me to doubt it is not to doubt myself, but it's to doubt his ability to solve this problem. And I think when I put it in that perspective, it helps me to feel more confident, uh, not only in my salvation, but just in my Christian self. I can totally relate what you just said. So, so, so powerful to consider that it's not us. It's, you know, I didn't earn my salvation as you, as you put it but that Christ's sacrifice was what did that for us. I think that's where we have to come back to, um, especially when we get in these kinds of situations where we're thinking, I'm, I'm not worthy. And well, newsflash, you were never worthy. Amen. And it if you, you know, you've tripped again, you weren't any more worthy than you were 10 minutes ago. And that's not to say that you should just do whatever you want. And Paul makes that very clear in several of his letters. But it's more about our heart and are you striving for for righteousness? So if we are going to follow the advice of Martin Lloyd-Jones and stop listening to ourselves and instead start talking to ourselves, what better thing to say than to remind ourselves of whose blood purchased us, whose work saved us, And I want to read, uh, just kind of as we wind this down, in three quotes from the book of 1 John. Uh, In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, there John writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world. And then chapter 3 and verse 4, John says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. And then in chapter 3 verse 8, he says, Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. John, what should we take away from those verses? I think the <clears throat> he says, don't love the world. And in that last one you just read, talking kind of about what I alluded at a moment ago, that the goal here is to practice righteousness and to seek righteousness. And those are, those are the people that are righteous if you're seeking that. And you're trying to be righteous, not that you're seeking to sin or make a practice of sin, as First uh, John three four says. So I think the goal here is to focus on improvements, as Martin Lloyd Jones 
said, talk to yourself, don't listen to yourself. Um, focus on improving your spiritual goals and changing your bad habits and not doubting yourself because when you, you can't can't doubt yourself you're if you doubt like that you're doubting the power of god and yeah. um that's a, a different issue there um yeah i would say practicing righteousness and not looking to the things of the world to solve your problems yeah i, I think it's so liberating to consider what john says there because he it is a matter of what you practice you know you are not a hypocrite who pretends to love god on sundays you are a christian who loves God imperfectly. And we we cannot allow every little stumble to throw us off of our game so that we just give up or so that we become depressed or we're as less effective than we could be. Uh, Christianity was never intended to be about walking around in eggshells, fearing every mistake that you make. Uh, the liberation of Christ is liberating us from the law. That was the law. Uh, but, but Christ completed the law, fulfilled the law, so that we uh, we can be liberated from that sort of thinking and being a slave to it. So I guess in summation, I would say this. Successes and failure matter. And John, you alluded to that. Uh, when you look at Paul's writing, you know, what you do certainly matters. What you fail to do matters. But trying matters too. And it, you have to give yourself credit for seeking God, moving forward, and doing your level best. Um, and give yourself grace when you fail to do that. Thank you for joining us where there is hope. It is our goal to share the hope and joy that we find in scriptures with you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can email us at wtihope at gmail. Dot com. Lamentations 3.24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him.